Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And um, here's the positive part about the mobile podcast is that I got a little flexibility to add something here if something happens and something happened. Mike Tomlin's coming back. Boom. Mike Garofolo just put out a report that. Tomlin told his players in the team meeting today that the idea of him not coming back in 2024 was unfounded and he plans to be the coach in 2024. So we can expect the Steelers to give him a contract sometime soon. I saw Alex Kazora on Twitter say, don't expect a press release. I'm just going to trust the report that this is, this is going down. And that does seem uh, pretty, pretty easy to, to connect the dots there. So, Boom. I guess later in this podcast, you will hear my reasons for why thinking, why I think that Mike Tomlin can certainly turn it around in Pittsburgh. Am I completely confident in those reasons? Absolutely not. I just, you know, I did actually tune into the terrible podcast with Alex Kazora and Dave um, just for a few minutes there because I'm just curious about what uh, some of the other Steelers' minds are thinking about the situation about Tomlin and the purgatory situation that the Steelers are in and you know they said maybe Mike Tomlin is the modern Tony Dungy Tony Dungy being his mentor so a guy who's a phenomenal leader and everybody loves him but he's got a lot of issues in the playoffs even with Peyton freaking Manning Tony Dungy struggled in the playoffs and caught fire once and they won one you know you had Ben Roethlisberger we've had plenty of one and dones with Ben Roethlisberger at the helm some of those Ben was actually you know playing on one leg or whatever but it's kind of an interesting comparison. And, you know, my thing with the head coach topic, I address it later in the podcast. My thing is this, like, it, it comes down to timing and it comes down to quarterback. Quarterback, 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 quarterback. And that's what it is. I mean, I think Alex and Dave made that point too. Like, hey, John Harbaugh has one Super Bowl. Pete Carroll, what do we think of these guys? And then they mentioned, yeah, they, there's nothing wrong with having one Super Bowl win as a, as a coach, most people don't have any, but it will probably preclude you from being mentioned with the true greats like Belichick and Reed and yada, yada. And I'll just push back on Andy Reed because he would have zero if he didn't land the best player in the history of the NFL, the best quarterback we've ever seen, Patrick Mahomes. Nobody dominant has dominated like Patrick Mahomes has dominated this early in his career. And uh, Andy Reed, awesome coach, he barely won the first Super Bowl by the skin of his teeth because Mahomes on his own converts a third and 15 or third and 17 to win the game. Basically like just freak show. Well, that wasn't coaching. That was Mahomes. By the way, Mahomes called the play, the jet lost the play, right? So you were just inches away from not winning one. And then this game, you know, the holding on Juju Smith Schuster, whatever, like barely won this Super Bowl by inches. And so now Andy Reid's got two. But if he didn't have Patrick Mahomes, would he have any? I think highly, highly doubtful. And would he be a different coach if he hadn't won the Super Bowls? No, he'd be the exact same guy. 
The only difference is you lucked into Patrick Mahomes. However, I don't want to say you lucked into him because Reed, Sean Payton, Chris Sims, very publicly, months before the drafting of Patrick Mahomes, those were the guys who realized that Mahomes was a big star in the making, potentially, a Brett Favre type on the field, on the field. Uh, please don't sue us. And I'm joking. This is parody. But Andy Reid did trade up to get Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid also has not gotten bounced from the playoffs in the first round seven times in a row like Mike Tomlin has. And even with Alex Smith, he could manage to win playoff games. So, you know, this is no aspersion on Andy Reid. I guess it's just my look at the NFL being perfectly designed to be a crapshoot in terms of winning multiple Super Bowls. And, uh, you know, the Patriots just blowing our minds with with reality in terms of, of, of how that works. And at the end of the day, it kind of just coming down to, hey, you better have a sick quarterback. So I'll stop the rambling here because there's plenty of that during this podcast. I think it's a fascinating topic. I think that Andy Weidel and Omar Khan have already demonstrated the willingness to change, and they have also had success in that change. When you look at their draft strategy, clearly this draft class paid off in a massive way. When you look at them forcing Mike Tomlin to fire an offensive coordinator for the first time since 1941 for the Steelers franchise, what were the results from that? Pretty shocking. Pretty shocking. Steelers uh, getting 400 yards left and right, scoring much more and just looking competent. And the team uh, halted its implosion and kind of grew back together, as evidenced by many locker room interviews that I just saw after recording the regular part of the pod with Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, Jalen Warren, all of them saying, I don't want to play for anyone but Coach T. And so that has, that has a lot to it. And Najee Harris and Roger Jones – had some quotes that I think were very important that I talk about later in the podcast in terms of a need for more discipline in the building. And I think they will get that. And I think Tomlin can adjust, just like Ben Roethlisberger adjusted halfway through his career with Todd Haley. Two kind of pulling teeth, eight and eight years when we had to teach, you know, when Ben had to learn how to play from the pocket more often than not. And then boom, he became a better quarterback than he ever was, even when we were winning those Super Bowls because he went through that growth period. So hopefully Tomlin can do the same thing. Very nice to have some clarity so early in the offseason for the Steelers if this is indeed all going down as we expect it to. Now we got to figure out this quarterback situation or competition or whatever that may be. I do think Kenny can play a lot better next year, but we're going to reach a little higher than that. Look at uh, Jordan Love, C.J. Stride, you know, Josh Allen. We just witnessed what happened there. I mean, wasn't that just freaking Ben Deja Vu so frustrating seeing him break tackles and then throw across his body down the field you're like ah, I remember remember when we had that it's kind of not a lot you can do about that but <laughs> well, we know the Steelers got to address QB they got to address the OC they won 10 games this year they got a lot of returning guys they are becoming a veteran team kind of in front of our eyes but still young let's see what happens alright let's get into it ladies and gentlemen what's going on welcome to this week's episode of the Steelers Outpost Podcast this is Nick Coming to you live from the 27 degree, which is basically tropical uh, for most people listening to the podcast, I think. But in Houston, 27 degrees is a little wild. So I'm coming to you from the 27 degree mobile office here um, on the first day of the Pittsburgh Steelers offseason. And here we are. All right. Deja vu. Same thing. Steelers squeak into the playoffs. Media sort of forgets about them midway through the season because they are such a boring watch. Steelers can barely score over 14 points a game. Then bing, bong, boom. They pull it together, win some games at the end of the season, and squeak into the playoffs only to be down 
generally, you know, 21 points in the first quarter and the game's already over. So Steelers actually made a little bit of a game of it against the Buffalo Bills, which shouldn't be a surprise given the fact that while the Bills have Josh Allen, a true transcendent superstar quarterback, smack dab in the beginning of his prime, that's tough. And the rest of the team has continuity. But from a talent perspective, they don't overmatch the Steelers. They don't. And furthermore, they haven't played that great this year. The Buffalo Bills, they've been on a bit of a downslide after a couple fever dream years. Obviously, last year with DeMar Hamlin being a bizarre year, but really kind of almost reaching the pinnacle of NFL, definitely reaching the pinnacle of hype over the past few years as Josh Allen um, broke out. And this year, yeah, they're on like a six-game winning streak or so, but it was sort of reminiscent of all these past five-year Steeler win streaks where it's like, yeah, they're winning, but they're getting a kick return for a touchdown here, there. They're kind of playing this trash team or whatever. So you respect them because it's Buffalo, but it's not like they were as scary as they were when they boat raced the Steelers by 30 points uh, last year. So shouldn't be surprising that the Steelers were able to keep it close. And I guess it shouldn't be surprises surprising that the Steelers did not keep it close in the beginning of the game. Because this is the formula. So here we sit. Here's what I compare this moment to. I feel like we're in one of those movies where the main character has an epiphany at the end of the movie, realizing, hold on, as I unzip my large coat here. At the end of this movie, the main character has an epiphany realizing that he's been in a dream the whole time, or he's been in jail the whole time, or maybe he's been the killer the whole time. Like this whole movie they've been searching for a way into or out of some place, and it turns out, boom, everything's reverse. You're already in there, buddy, bucko. And that's where we are as Steelers fans in regards to purgatory. The Steelers are in purgatory. They're destined to be 500-ish, generally a tick above 500, and they're destined to get blown out in the playoffs. And I think that this purgatory, we may have been here for longer than we've realized. We've probably been there when Antonio Brown ran off that field after the Saints game and Ben's elbow blew up very early in the next season. We watched Duck and Mason. And ever since then, it's been chewing gum and paper clips and stolen timber from Starbucks, hitching this spaceship together to win, you know, nine, 10 games a year. Like, okay, you got aging Ben Roethlisberger and uh, you lost all the other players from the killer B era. Okay. Yada, yada, yada. Okay. Now you have this heroic performance where you, you give up a high draft pick to go grab Minka Fitzpatrick and salvage that season with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph, yada, yada, yada. Last year, you draft Kenny Pickett in the first round. You know it's an incredibly young team, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. You kind of bring it together at the end of the year to look good if you're graded on a curve. That is to say the Steelers won some clutch games last year in the cold. Did they score more than 14 points generally in those games? Nope. They just would win the game 14 to 13, 17 to 14. <laughs> but we graded them on a curve because, hey, they're young. They got a young quarterback. And then this year was kind of the, oh, crap. Now where do we go? They retain Matt Canada, the first-round quarterback, Kenny Pickett, performs historically bad. Yes, a lot of that due to the fact that the, the coordinator was so bad and the development of the quarterback 
is bad. But, you know, you look around the league at Jordan Love and C.J. Stroud, and you just see these guys keep on popping up. And kind of what you're smacked in the face with is, well, Kenny Pickett could be a lot better than he looked with Matt Canada. I mean, we have a one-game sample size of him without Canada, and he looked very solid in that game. But what we definitely know is that he's not C.J. Stroud. He's not a transcendent player. And by the way, you know, Joe Burrow and other guys like that come back next year. So now you're thinking, crap, what do we do? Do we need to – how do you find a quarterback? It's hard. It takes a lot of luck. And so that's basically where we're sitting now is, is, is this. Especially after this loss to the Bills, especially after the way the loss went down, which – by the end of it was, I don't know if I would say it's a better fight than the loss to the Chiefs. I mean, clearly than the Chiefs, yeah. The loss to the Browns sort of resembled this one, where you had an old man, Ben Roethlisberger, who even at that age is more capable of potentially ripping off a 350-yard game than Mason or, or Kenny are at this point in their career. But basically against the Browns, you know, Ben mounted a comeback that fell short, but kind of mounted it in garbage time, much like Dak Prescott for the Cowboys this week against the Packers where they made a comeback and it was actually somewhat reasonable to say, Hey, they might be able to pull this miracle out with two minutes left, but you're still going to label it a miracle, right? Dak makes that comeback. Ben sort of makes that comeback against the Browns. And then Mason helps make the comeback here uh, against the bills. But was it ever really in jeopardy for the bills? Not really. So the way the Steelers lost this playoff game, I think we're getting, a little too far into the weeds if we say, okay, it's better than the last playoff losses because it's not. It's the same thing every year. Steelers have now gone seven consecutive seasons without a playoff victory. That's the longest streak in franchise history since the Chuck Knoll days, since before the Chuck Knoll days, I should say. And they have given up something like 52, 50, 45, 41, and now 31 or 32 in their past playoff games. They are the first team ever to surrender 31-plus points in five straight playoff games. So that means every time the Steelers make it to the playoffs, they get blown out of the water. Yep, some of those are turnovers. Some of those are defense just getting eviscerated. But the main point is, the Steelers just get crushed whenever they get to the playoffs. You know, the Killer Bees era, I reference it all the time. That was the last great Steelers team. Some of their playoff success or lack of success was just due to unlucky injury, like losing Ben, A.B., and Bell. You're just not really going to recover from that. Sure, there were bad defensive performances, this, that. But what I'm really trying to say is this season and the embarrassing loss to the Bills in the playoffs – just kind of solidifies who the Steelers are. And that was the theme of the podcast this year that dad and I established in Houston, Texas, after we were able to go to the Texans game and see CJ Stroud just tear the Steelers apart. And then the Steelers offense be completely unable to to matriculate the ball down the field at all. And we said, Hey, the Steelers is the Steelers. This is kind of what it's been like for years and in the in the pre-killer B era the Steelers was the Steelers in terms of you're not going to run for 100 yards against them they're going to hit the crap out of you and Ben Roethlisberger or Troy Polamalu or James Harrison is going to make a play in the final minute to win the game and the Steelers are going to be in, in competition for Super Bowls all the time that was who they were 
in a killer B era, it was this Steelers offense is out of this world. You are never going to be able to stop Ben, A.B., and Le'Veon. They will have some occasional games, a few games every year, where the Steelers, Ben, A.B., and Le'Veon, everybody, will come out flat against some bottom-dwelling team, and they'll lose a game or two to really bad teams. And maybe that's what will separate the Steelers from the Patriots in the playoffs. You know, the Patriots being their biggest hurdle in those years. And the, the Patriots aren't going to drop multiple games to four win teams. And, and you know, the Steelers are going to have to go on the road. And then generally what's going to happen in the playoffs is one or four of the running backs are going to get hurt. <laughs> you're going to have to sign a guy off the street and he's going to fumble and you're going to lose the game. And the identity now of the past era, which I feel comfortable saying, hey, it's an era now, past five years, old man Ben and on. The identity of this team is, they're going to be borderline unwatchable and dysfunctional on offense. They're going to play the wrong players on their own team, whether it's not playing Keanu Benton or, or Porter or putting Mitch Trubisky in over Mason Rudolph or, you know, Tomlin having a guy like Butler in there for so many years and then defense immediately getting better when he leaves or like Tomlin having Matt Canada in there for two and a half years and then quite literally the instant he left, a couple play callers who had never called plays extensively in the NFL just improved the offense to a shocking extent, you know, basically proving, yes, it was as simple as if you can get rid of this Mac Canada situation, your offense can at least be watchable, which it was for the past four weeks, even though one of those weeks was a torrential downpour in Baltimore. So, that's their identity. They just can't score 14 points. The defense will be pretty good unless it's a big game. And then when we get to the playoffs, they're going to squeak into the playoffs. They're going to be a very boring team to watch. And then when they get in the playoffs, they won't even be competitive. They will get blown out of the building. Your star defensive players like TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward, they're not going to make any plays in that playoff game. Ostensibly because... By the time you get there, you're playing some really good teams who are also very well-oiled at that point of the season, and they're going to say, we're not going to let T.J. Watt take over this game. And as long as we accomplish that task, the Steelers have virtually no chance. You know, obviously, T.J. didn't play against the Bills, and I do think that if he had played, the Steelers would have had a better chance at upsetting the Bills. But at the end of the day, the playoff record sort of speaks for itself. He had the great the ball bounce right to him against the Chiefs, and he returned that for a touchdown. That was cool. But otherwise, he's been virtually ineffective in every single playoff game he's played. And does that mean I think T.J. Watt chokes in the playoffs? No, I mean, he's the same guy all the time. I just, like I said, I think he played better teams that are more prepared for it. And so here they are. The Steelers, I don't see them getting better. I look at the roster, I say, they have a lot of talent. So that's the positive part. But they are not improving. They're in stasis. The same thing keeps happening over and over again. So how the hell do we get out of this? All right, so where do we go? Coach T, Mike Tomlin was not in the mood to discuss that when Brooke Pryor asked him at the end of the postgame press conference while she attempted to ask him about his contract. But right after she got the words, Mike, you have one year out of her mouth. Like she was trying to go for one year left in your contract. Mike didn't let her get there. He did the world's most subtle, quickest eye roll and apparated, right? That's the Harry Potter term for for disappearing one place and appearing somewhere else. He just zoomed off the stage. He said, no, not doing it. 
which is truly hysterical and just another testament to his <laughs> unbeatable press conference game. So, of course, all the talk is about Mike Tomlin. And honestly, we've been having this talk so frequently on the podcast all year. You could say it's getting getting a little old, but it's, it is intriguing. And so I think here's where I stand on, on all the Mike Tomlin stuff. And I think part of it has to deal with the fact that I don't think the Steelers are trying to push him out. These reports that have now come up from Jay Glazer, who's actually, I don't know how close he is to Tomlin, but he knows Tomlin, he hangs with Tomlin, and he does get really wild stories like this when other people don't. So Jay Glazer, Adam Schefter, and Mike Florio have all reported that Mike Tomlin is going to sit down with his family after the season and determine what he wants to do next. There has been no context provided outside of that, so I have no idea why he's doing that. Uh, obviously, the Steelers have recused coaches such as Bruce Arians from their duties and, oh, he retired. And then he immediately goes coaching somewhere else. So I wouldn't say it would be above the Steelers to tell Mike, like, hey, yeah, we're, we're kind of done. So let's make this look like you're just leaving on your own accord. I think kind of more what I've heard is the Steelers want him back. And maybe he has to question whether he wants to come back or not. And so when I hear that, I am confused because – from watching the guy and every press conference he's done for a billion years here, I don't see anything that says he wouldn't want to coach or that he wouldn't want to coach for the Steelers. I think he wants to get it done here. I've noticed zero change in his demeanor or his enthusiasm. Has he made poor choices that have put the Steelers here, particularly when it comes to dealing with the quarterback and the coordinator? Yes, for sure. You know, the inability to put an even competent defense together when the Killer Bees were making their run. Yes, of course, a lot of that was derailed by, you know, Ryan Chazier injury, but that's a little bit different than the offensive player injury. Like one one player injured on defense is not the same as losing your first battle hall of famer wide receiver or running back who was literally breaking the rushing record every single week, Le'Veon Bell, by the time he got hurt. Um, so yes, he's made mistakes. But I don't see him wanting to leave Pittsburgh. There's been no sign of that. And Pittsburgh treats him incredibly. Obviously, he has this out-of-this-world job security. He's meshed in with the culture. He is clearly still close with his players. Now, there are some incredibly interesting interviews from the locker room after the game from guys like Najee Harris and Broderick Jones, who played for the two of the most elite programs in college football history, both championship winners under Nick Saban and Kirby Smart. And both of those guys said, in so many words, yeah, the team needs more discipline and it needs more rules. And they even said stuff like, where I came from, I was not used to how the Steelers were run. Basically indicating there's not a lot of discipline here. And a lot of reporters and former players from the Steelers have talked about this over the years, how Tomlin universally known as this incredible players coach, and he is, he gives the the locker room basically to the veterans. And so many of these guys police the locker room, whether it was Pouncey for so many years and then by extension Ben and then the rest of that offensive line. And you could even say Antonio Brown. It sounds hysterical, but like his work ethic was unmatched. And so you kind of had these guys to lead the locker room that way. Le'Veon was always really like there. Then the group before those guys is extremely obvious. We all know that. That's Troy Paul Mollo, James Harrison, Keys, like the Steelers, Steelers. And 
right now, maybe that's not working as well with a group that's much younger. Obviously, you have defensive stars who are great leaders and exactly in the mold of those old Steelers players with TJ Watt, Hayward, Micah Fitzpatrick, Alex Highsmith. Those guys could have played on the Steelers in the 90s or the 70s or anything. They all got that kind of alpha male sort of serious, they're not going to be joking around a ton kind of personalities. But, you know, they don't have any pelts on the wall. They don't have any big success in the playoffs. Not No fault of their own, really, or not not solely their fault. But I don't know if that culture can pervade as much when you're not James Harrison with, with everything that he did. And maybe that let the players leave the locker room thing isn't working as much. Okay, sure. All that being said, Tomlin has awesome relationships with his players still. He's still the same guy. You saw the videos of him on the sidelines with George Pickens right after all the drama happened with George not blocking so that he wouldn't get hurt. And then, you know, I'm sitting here whispering, there's a certain point where you can't blame him. The guy's got like four catches in six games for 20 yards. I mean, it's, it's truly, what's the word? Malpractice. Like how, I don't even know how you could like accidentally fall into that little production for someone like George Pickens where the situation is truly just throw it in his direction. What if he's got two guys on him? It doesn't matter. They changed all the rules so that those guys can't touch him and he can jump by them and has better hands. It is faster. So what are we doing here? He's angry. He did something extremely dumb by not blocking. And then let's try and throw him the ball. Oh my God. He, he had the best game for a receiver in history. Four for 192, two touchdowns. Would have had five for about 240 and three touchdowns if uh, Mason had hit him on a on wide open go route later in the game. But oh, all that to be said, you saw like when the team seemed like it was at its worst and a young guy, a representative of Gen Z, if you will, George Pickens, sort of the representative of, hey, this is a new generation as opposed to what this head coach came in with. We've seen it all over the league. You know, Bill Belichick, he suffered it too. It, can Tomlin really get in, get through to these George Pickens types? Yes. Yes, he can. We saw it off the field. We saw it on the field. So I'm not seeing any signs that Tomlin would want to leave, which begs the question, what are they, what would the Steelers be doing behind the scenes to make him want to leave? And the answer to those questions, which we probably went over, find out for certain, are extremely intriguing. So what could Mike Tomlin be unhappy about? Well, there's truly no way for us to tell. But here's what I think. When it comes to deciding whether the Steelers should keep Tomlin or move on from him, you could argue convincingly for either side of that. Okay, so on one hand, there's the whole theory of sometimes a person's message gets stale in the locker room. I, I always find that wording odd because maybe it's more like, yeah, the players move on from the great team they had or the Legion of Boom moves on. Or maybe, hey, they're not as good as they were before. <laughs> so you're not winning as many games or this or that or whatever. And then I don't know how the message gets stale when new players come in all the time. But maybe just institutionally, the the whole building gets in a rut. And sometimes, particularly in the NFL, the best cure for that is blowing it up and starting it and then hoping you get lucky with the quarterback. Like, look at the Bengals. They went after Marvin Lewis, and they got – this is hysterical because I'm looking at the coach of the Bengals in my mind right now. I literally never remember the guy's name, Taylor. 
<laughs> he's got like he's like the most generic coach, cool guy in the history of the league. And it was one of those he had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay kind of guys that threw him in there. He won like one game, and then it just so happens that the year he wins one game, who's the quarterback coming out in the draft? It's Joe Burrow. No, it's not. Carson Wentz or Jared Goff or Sam Bradford or Kenny Pickett or any of the other years when you could be bad. For them, it turns out it's freaking one of the greater quarterbacks we've seen in a long time. So that's a demonstration of how sometimes just switch it up and maybe you'll get lucky can go a long way. And, you know, if you look at the Bengals, I will say this. They've built three separate Super Bowl contending teams in our lifetime. And I don't know why people don't give them credit for that and why they get lumped in with the franchises that are just constantly mediocre. No, no, no. The Bengals are really good, and then they get really bad, and they pick number one, and they hit on the quarterback, whether it's Carson Palmer or then it was a star before the, you know the playoff game and all the dysfunction of the franchise did then eventually hit. But he was a star. And that team was really good. And then they got Joe Burrow later. And then in between, they built a team really around, you know, Vontae's perfect and Pac-Man Jones and, you know, Atkins and all those studs. And they had Andy Dalton, that quarterback, who held them back from being what they could be. And even one year, they had a chance with Andy Dalton to go win that Super Bowl. And he gets injured against the Steelers. This time it was Stephon to it instead of Kim on often. Yada, yada, yada. And then... After him, they suck. They draft number one. Boom, you luck into Joe Burrow. Your team goes from a one-win team to a really good team. He gets injured that rookie year, even after he'd been really great. And, uh, yeah, that's that. So on and so forth. What I'm trying to say is the NFL is sort of set up in this annoying way right now (laughs) where it is very difficult to sustain greatness because the salary cap causes you to lose your good players and the draft – being ordered with the worst teams going for first in every round is set up so that the bad teams have more access to the players who are most likely to be good, right? So they're really good at it. The whole thing that throws this off is, do you land on a quarterback? Because the quarterback is so disproportionately essential to success of any given team than any other player, and that's just the way it is, you know? So... We'll get more on that later on, on, in terms of what the Steelers should do with that. But the shakeup idea. Get someone else in there. Look what happened for Andy Reid in Philadelphia and in Kansas City. Like, yeah, that definitely really worked. Are we saying for certain that Andy Reid wouldn't have been able to design a really good team in Philadelphia again? I don't think we have ev- any evidence to support that. I think it's completely circumstantial. Like, they had a bad record two years in a row. Then he left, and he was good in Kansas City. And then, by the way, he just had Alex Smith as his quarterback, so he was getting number one seeds and getting bounced in the playoffs by team like, teams like the Steelers, who beat Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs with five or six field goals from Chris Boswell and no touchdowns. Like, that's what was happening. And then what 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 changed? Well, Patrick Mahomes slipped to 10, and they traded up. And now it's all different, right? Could Andy Reid have done that in Philadelphia? Like, the whole – four championship game in a row team, Brian Dawkins, Donovan McNabb, they had expired. They still needed a few more years to gain players. I don't know that you can officially say that it wouldn't have worked, but alas, Philly has had a lot of success 
firing their coach. They might do it again, which is hysterical and shocking after being in the Super Bowl one year ago with Nick Sirianni. But they keep firing these guys, getting new guys, and then going to the Super Bowl. And then they've had some hires in between, like Chip Kelly, that didn't work out. But they move on from those swiftly. And I guess that's, that's kind of how you have to judge it. So sometimes it's about the coach not living in the modern era. And is Tomlin there? I don't know. There's part of me that thinks, yeah, absolutely not. He doesn't have an analytics department. But guess what? You can fix that. You can make him get an analytics department. Can we keep hiring guys or drafting guys really high because of character? No, we cannot. That's what landed us Matt Canada. They clearly hit it off when they had talked. We can't be drafting Kenny Pickett, who the entire world, both inside the NFL and outside of the NFL, we all agreed. Hey, this guy had, had a great college career, but he's not a bona fide first round pick. I mean, the guy lasted till 20. You don't even know if he would have gone in the first round. He doesn't match any of the prerequisite call, uh, qualities for a real first round QB in terms of size, arm strength, speed. Don't give me the winner thing. That's irrelevant. We're talking about college here and talking about the ACC. And there's been many winners and McEnroe and McCarron, McElroy, McCarron, all, all these different guys. It's not precisely the, uh, it's not a metric, but I'm just trying to say Kenny Pickett was not a slam dunk first round player, but we took him because we love his personality, which is awesome. But hey, that strategy is not working out for us. Najee Harris, same thing. Is he an awesome stealer? Did he have an awesome end of this year? And kind of half of all the three years he's played in the NFL, one half of the year is, is underwhelming. The other half is fantastic and inspiring and Jerome Bettis-like. And obviously he's got a great personality. Yeah, hell yeah. Now, would that draft pick have been better used not on a power running back in a moment when the Steelers are not in the Super Bowl window? Well, everybody in the world except for Mike Tomlin and the Steelers seemed, to, you know, Colbert seemed to agree with that, right? So those are... Issues that I personally think are fixable, especially when you get some guys like Andy Weidel and Omar Khan in the building who have demonstrated a willingness to change. First, it was in their draft strategy with trading around, maneuvering more than the Steelers ever had in one draft to grab players that they needed. And by the way, at the time, it looked like the draft was a home run. Now we are past the first season and indeed it was a home run. We'll see where these guys' careers go over the over the course of their career, but so far the returns from the rookie class have been incredible. You got like five guys playing meaningful snaps. Some of them could even be playing more than they're playing now, right? So, okay, Weidel and Khan showing a willingness to change. You're not going to hit like that in every draft, but damn, that's a great start. What else did they do? Well, they forced Tomlin and the Steelers to fire Matt Canada midseason. We know that they forced him to do that because Tomlin talked in his press conference about how he hates the idea of firing an assistant coach because it makes it look like he is trying to deflect blame from himself as the head coach. He's saying, uh, it was the offensive coordinator. That was that guy. No, he wants to be accountable to fix the mistake. Now, I think that's a critical error from Mike Tomlin, and he needed to be saved from himself there because, great, that seems like an admirable quality to have in a vacuum. You don't want to blame other people. But because you are so laser-focused on that idea, you have now screwed over so many more people. You've screwed over Kenny Pickett and George Pickens and TJ Watt and every Steelers fan on the earth by keeping this incompetent play caller there. And it's a little disturbing that you were not able to see that when the whole rest of the world could. And then what happened when they, when they fired him? The offense takes such 
an astronomical leap forward in yardage and points and just the eye test that it becomes truly undeniable that the decision to retain Canada for another season was indefensible, right? But that's a that's something that to me can be changed about Mike Tomlin. Those are his biggest flaws because whatever you want to say, the Steelers made it to the playoffs and could have won that playoff game against the number two seed. The Steelers did that with three different starting quarterbacks in the regular season. None of them great quarterbacks or even good quarterbacks. They did it with an offensive coordinator midseason. They did it with the entire inside linebacking core going down. And it's kind of an impressive story when you look at it that way. And of course, if you're a Steelers fan, you know, well, the reason why they had to deal with all that stuff is because Mike Tomlin put those people in those positions. Yeah, but if you take that away, choosing the people in the positions, the rest is very impressive. And the rest you have to give credit to Mike Tomlin for. And so those weaknesses, making those hires, making those decisions, can you fix that? I think that we already have evidence saying yes. So if Weidel and Khan get a little bit more power, I think Mike Tomlin has the ability to be humble enough to give up some of that power. And that's where I could be, or maybe not give up power. Let's not say it like that. I think he has the humility to collaborate with these guys on more decisions. I think Tomlin knows. He's in the middle of this. It's not getting better, right? I could be totally wrong on this because I think this is just a societal thought that you can't have a guy with all this power who's entrenched into the organization, justifiably so, like Mike Tomlin, who's earned the power. You can't just like take some of that power away from him. I don't know if that's true. And I don't know if you have to look at it as power or more like, hey, we're a team, the front office and Mike and ownership, and we're just going to, we're going to make some different type of decisions here. Not saying like, oh, we're castrating you. You're not as powerful. I don't think that that's what it has to look like. So I think what I just presented there is as evidence-based as, you know, we can be without having all the facts, right? And football's weird. Things happen. But I think that there's reason for me to believe this guy still has many elite qualities as a coach. He's still young. He's got plenty of years. And I think some of the issues can be solved. So is that happening behind closed doors? And is that why Mike Tomlin went potentially wants to leave. He's saying like, ah, I don't, I don't believe in the direction that the team wants to go in. I don't know how much direction they really know yet. Like I don't get the impression that the head coach is having those discussions in season about like the future. I think that they are spending 17, 18 hour workdays in the office trying to beat the team that they're playing that week. And so it'll be interesting to see what happens now, which leads me to kind of the wrap up is like, they got to act fast because Yes, the number one priority is getting a quarterback. And I could spend forever on this, but I'll just sum it up like this. It's not easy to get a quarterback. They're not just available. There's not Aaron Rodgers this year, Tom Brady, Kirk Cousins. Even if he is available, which I don't think he's going to be, he definitely makes the team better. But, like, are you really putting all your faith in in Kirk Cousins, a quarterback who I really like? And I guess you would do it. But it's not this great fix-all. Are you going to have to bring in Jacoby Brissett or someone uninspiring like that who might be better than what you have now? Like, sure, that's the most feasible thing. But in terms of the draft, well, here we are at 20 again. There are 10 teams in front of us who want to get a quarterback. That's going to be really difficult. Unfortunately, this is the purgatory thing. This is why we were bummed when they retained Canada and when they drafted Kenny and we all had to cross our fingers with Kenny. Like, maybe he'll be a historical outlier. Maybe he'll be the first guy who doesn't have a lot of evidence towards being a a really great quarterback and and he'll make it work. You know, 
We're worried in those times because this is where you can end up because the Steelers need a coordinator and a quarterback so badly, and the coordinator is more likely. There are some guys, you know, Waldron in Seattle is an example of an accomplished guy who's not going to get a head coaching job, but who is an immediate upgrade at the position of coordinator for the Steelers. So you might be able to grab one of those dudes. You can grab multiple people. You know, there's a better chance of getting a good coordinator than a quarterback because this year you might not just be, you might not be able to get one. You know, Ben Roethlisberger slipped to 11. He should have been the number one pick in the draft. If Peyton, you know, Peyton Manning's brother wasn't there and if Ben Roethlisberger hadn't gone to a tiny school when at that time, like, people weren't really crazy about drafting the quarterbacks from the tiny schools, right? The Steelers leapt into that a little bit. So I don't know what's going to happen with the quarterback. But I do know this. If you're going to lose Mike Tomlin, this is the year to do it because Mike frickin' Vrabel is there, who is basically a Tomlin clone in a lot of ways, but a far bigger hard ass and could come into the team that drafted him that he's familiar with, that he would probably be attracted to the job because you know what you get with the ownership. And then secondarily, uh, Vrabel doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. He's kind of made that clear with the Tennessee thing. And the Steelers have a lot of pieces for him to work with. And he could be the answer to what Najee Harris and Broderick Jones were talking about in terms of the team needing a shakeup and needing more discipline and needing more hard assery in the building. That'd be a huge get. Anybody who's following Mike Tomlin, I'm probably going to be upset because they're going to be an unproven commodity because Shanahan and McVay, those kind of guys don't just come available. And I know Rabel isn't an offensive coach, which is the one ding against them, but holy crap, he did just become available. This is insane. And I don't count Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, and John Harbaugh because I think the, f- the first two guys are a little bit too old for where the Steelers are at right now. And I think that Harbaugh is too extreme of a personality and just like a, a force of nature for the Steelers to hire him. And so I, I kind of rule those guys out, but they sort of help because Gerard Mayo got the Patriots job. The Steelers could be wide open for Vrabel. And that'd be like the one guy I could ever imagine who I could stand um, replacing Tomlin and who I could think could do a great job. Sure. Maybe you can convince uh, Ben Johnson from the lions to come over. I don't know. You know, your quarterback situation is in flux. Uh, you really have to be confident in Kenny. And obviously Kenny does have some good things on film, but you know, that's a risk. Will Ben Johnson work? There's no way to know if he'll work as a, as a head man, but we do know he's a good offensive coordinator and that could be a sign of the Steelers moving along with the times. But I think that if Mike Tomlin had to leave on, you'd be, you'd finally luck out where Ben retired and it wasn't a great quarterback class. And you weren't that high in the draft. Well, this time, if you lose your legendary coach, there is a perfect guy to step in for him. Now, to sum this all up, is that what I want to happen? No, I think that Mike Tomlin is generational and he's made mistakes, but you can look at that for every other coach in the league. Even Belichick is now on a losing streak. Like, imagine if Kyle Shanahan doesn't win the Super Bowl this year. What are people going to say about him? Like, hey, he just can't win the big game. And to me, I would say, like, yeah, the Super Bowl is really hard to win. It takes a lot of luck. They've been injured. This happened. They played Patrick frickin' Mahomes in the other one. Yada, yada, yada. Jimmy Garoppolo overthrows the ball on a wide-open game-winning touchdown pass. That's not Shanahan. There's a lot that goes into it. But people could say that about Shanahan. That's kind of how I feel about Tomlin right now. Like, there are things that can be fixed. And uh, I would like to see them go that way, although I completely understand any other point of view. And, I don't, and I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I'm a 1,000% sure about that. Um, hey, he should definitely stay and he'll definitely do better. But how do the Steelers get out of purgatory? They got to be aggressive with an OC and a quarterback and even just upgrades at both of those positions. Take this team that won 10 games 
and and make them a better team right now. And maybe that's just all we can really hope for as Steelers fans is that, hey, let's get a better team, a team that's more consistently good. And we'll, we'll see what happens with the Super Bowls. But this totally dysfunctional offense at the two most important positions that 2024 NFL is all about, we can't be doing this again. We got to figure something out. So we'll see. Um, yeah, weird. Kind of apoplectic after that loss to the Bills, but Steelers are where they are. They are who they are, and let's hope that they're aggressive in finding a way to get out of this purgatory. I hope they do. Until next week, go Steelmen. Hit us up, SteelersOutpost at Twitter.com, at SteelersOutpost, gmail.com. Go Steelmen. Okay, bye-bye.